0: We would just gone to lunch with Brother Paul Jr., many of you know Friendly Chapel that we've talked about for many years here, Paul's Promise, the movie that came out just recently about his dad's life, Paul Sr., you can look that up, but Paul Jr., Inner City Church, North Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, I've had a great relationship there with him for almost 30 years and phenomenal place, but Ryan Womack, and, a, and another, an intern of ours, had gone to lunch with Brother Paul, and one of the things we asked him, we said, Brother Paul, have you ever been you know, with all the homeless, uh, mainly men that you work with and just people on drugs, different things that you're dealing with, have you ever been hit? Has somebody ever just popped you? He goes, no, nah, no, nah, I ain't never had anything like that, never anything, any clo- anything close to that. So we get back to the church, and we see this man walking away, large man. I mean, probably 6'5", six, 6'6". Uh, guy walking away from the front of the church, and, and a little bit. And brother Paul, we get out of the van, and brother Paul goes and talks to. starts to talk to him, and, and uh, what happens is when brother Paul and them do their meal there. It when it ends, whatever time they do their feed when they feed folks with it's sack lunch or coming inside. When they're done, they're done. You don't come back an hour later and go, "Hey, I want no." You're done, and the answer is no. Pretty simple, just kind of their standard deal. So the guy wanted some food, and Brother Paul says, Yeah, well, you missed it. And if you know Brother Paul, he's about as compassionate as anybody I've ever met, so you, you understand, but he's got rules. Well, this guy starts walking away, and he's, he's, he's walking for the, towards the parking lot, through the parking lot, and there's two ladies just pulled up. I think they were dropping off clothes for the, for the, uh, the, the, the well, not the Goodwill, but the, the thrift store. That's what I'm trying to think of. He starts cussing. He starts telling those women, and he's dropping F-bombs. He's dropping all kinds of stuff. He said, this man's not who he says he is. I was told to come here and get some. that man. And he's just cursing, and he's just, oh, it's just, it's ugly. And I'm sitting there going, this, this is not good, okay, obviously. But probably Brother Paul deals with it some degree. And so Brother Paul starts going, sir, sir. And this guy's still cussing at him. Brother Paul just starts walking at him, walking to him, walking to him. Walking to him, walking to him, walking to him. I can't hear what he's saying. Walking to him. This guy's, all of a sudden, this guy draws his fist back, and I thought, you, we just ask him about this. Okay, we just ask him. He's about to get popped. He's walking, and all of a sudden, Brother Paul's about this far from him. Then all of a sudden, this guy just collapses on top of Brother Paul. I was happy because I thought I was going to have to step in. I didn't know what else was going (laughs) to. Or run or be embarrassed in front of my intern and my other associate. Whatever was going to happen, I was concerned. Brother Paul goes in the building. Here in a little bit, the guy does walk away with a little bit of food. Brother Paul looked around in there. And we asked him finally, He said, Brother Paul, what did you do? What did you say to him? He said, well, as I got closer to him, I said, you're hurting, aren't you, man? You're hurting. Something's happened to you. You're hurting deeply. The guy goes, yes, I am. So Brother Paul gives him the food back in the back, and the guy starts apologizing to him. He says, man, I'm so sorry, man, I just, I don't know what, you know. Brother Paul just goes, skip it. Just skip it, man. It's just like, don't I, like it ever happened. Just skip it. Just move on. Man, we, I ain't worried about that. I love you. And then just, just skip it. Let it go. And the guy starts walking away. And he gets about 15, because we heard this part, but I didn't even know what it meant. The guy just turns around, looks at Brother Paul and goes, just skip it? He said, yeah, just skip it. When you know what your call is in life, and you know your position with God, you get a little fearless. You walk into things because you know you're called to do it. You know you're not just trying to pass a class someday, and maybe God will give you a good grade. You know you're on a mission. And when you're on that mission, it changes things. What would it be like if you got up each day and just said, I'm on a mission. I'm headed somewhere for the kingdom of God. I'm here to advance the kingdom of God. I'm on a mission. I'm not just trying to see if God thinks I'm good or not good, and if I pass this test or pass. No, I'm on a mission. I would it change your thinking? I read a book many years ago. I'm starting a series today called An Unstoppable Force. It's a book by Urban McManus. 2001, I think somebody recommended it to me. I read it, It changed my life, literally changed my life. God used it. Now, many of you know I've read a lot of McManus things and quoted them way more than you want to hear over the years. But that book talks about becoming the church God had in mind. Unstoppable. What if you thought about your life that you were unstoppable? What if you thought that you were on a mission And no matter what came, that mission's unstoppable. How would you go about life? Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. We're starting this new year and, you know, it's easy. If you watch the news and you hear the forecast for 2023, or you watch our government, or you watch a lot of different things, and you watch enough news, it can feel kind of like, "Ah, I want to just retreat." Anybody ever feel that way? I'm here to encourage you today. That is not what we're supposed to do. Be careful. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. But understand what the Lord's will is. How many of you want to know what the Lord's will is for your life? And we just start this new year, and you've heard me talk about in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I've, I've, I've used that phrase, that, that, that scripture over and over. In view of God's mercies, brother, offer yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. That is your reasonable act of worship, no longer conforming, conforming to the pattern of this world. Paul says it's evil times, no longer conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your way of thinking then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then, then once you've done that, then, and you've heard me say, those who've heard me preach on it, God's more concerned about who you're going to be than what you're going to do. So you've got to become the person that God wants to do something with. And you become that person, what God wants you to do becomes much clearer. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good will pleasing, and perfect will. So as I read this from Paul, Paul's saying to us, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Now there's no doubt to be wise, you've got to have discernment. And sometimes you can discern things. I just got to come clean with you today. Sometimes you can discern something and it not be what you think. Anybody ever had that? You go, I thought I used wisdom there. I put my effort in, and I did what I was supposed to do. And then you find out going, man, if I have just reported to you last week that our mail was stolen. We had mail out here on the lawn from six different homes, right on this lawn out here, scattered out there, collected it, went to our mailbox. Something said it was supposed to have been delivered through the post office at 9, 10, 19 a.m. on Friday That's what he said. We had no mail in our mailbox for three days. It was gone. I sent an email out New Year's Eve. I know y'all were blessed by it. Man, I put a lot of effort into that. (laughs) That is not an email I want to send out. Hey, just in case you sent a check in, mail was stolen, just in case. Guess what? The mailman kept it. He was suspicious that people were stealing mail, so he took our mail and took it to the post office, and kept it for three days, and brought it back to us. It was raised on the third day. Okay, there you go. As I told, uh, and Brandon sent me a sent me a little meme this week. It had a man look like he's like 80 something years old, and it said, and, it, and it's nothing against 80 year olds in here, by the way, nothing. But it said on there, is being a pastor stressful? And it had this man's picture. and said, Duncan, age 22. Okay, <laughs> So you tell me, okay. <laughs> uh, the brother could have helped me out. Uh, the, our, our postal service guy could have left a note. He did not. But he and I, he and I are made up. We're good. So. But sometimes you read things. You discern and you go, hey, this is what it is. All the circumstances tell me this is what it is. Then you get more information and realize it's not what it is. Now, do those six homes at least get their mail stolen? That's true. That I added up to ours, and I think reasonably could have done that, right? And would have made sense. But to be wise, to discern, to understand what's going on. And what this be careful here literally means to walk accurately or precisely. And I love the way, I, the definition it has the idea of walking on a narrow path, path along the side of a steep mountain. Anybody ever done that? Ever done, done hiking where you're going, man, this is pretty tight right here. And if I drop off, this, this is concerning. Uh, we hiked Flatiron. Me and a couple of folks did, a couple of weeks ago, did hike Flatiron. And, uh, and, and it's an awesome hike if you've never done it out in the superstitions. But we did it in the fog. The concerning part about that is is if you get off just a little bit, I'm talking about a deep fog. You don't see the hundred and something foot drop off. That's just right there. I mean, literally, it's that far away. Concerning. But he says to be careful. Be on alert. Take, look where you're putting your foot down. Look what's influencing you. Look at the things that are coming into your life. Be wise. Be careful of what you're letting in. I'm not sure even, I, I was sure, I, I'll confess it. I'm not sure at times I do a, I'm a diligent enough of, of watching what I'm letting in. Whether I watch too much news or I allow getting on the computer and just looking up random stuff, and I don't mean, I mean, it's important to me, but I could be doing other things, but allowing the time to get away from me. And not necessarily looking at that time going, well, that was wise. Matter of fact, looking at that time going, that was a waste of time. But be careful. Be wise. Live wise. Discerning. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And what he's talking about here, time-wise, is is the word, and, and, and the King James uses here, redeem this time or redeeming the time or make the most of. It's an, of course, it's a salvation word, the word redeem, it's, but it's to buy back, to purchase, to, to take what you've got and buy it here, to redeem this time. You know, I remember growing up as a kid, how many of you remember, and I, and I am dating myself big time, but it was a big deal growing up as a kid. How many of you remember s and green stamps? Anybody in here ever heard of those? It was exciting, Every time you bought groceries you got stamps to put in a book then over time you finally filled up a big enough book to go to the to, to the store and you'd redeem you'd redeem something from their little catalog it was exciting i don't i don't know why it To this, I remember that, but I do remember going to Piggly Wiggly. Anybody ever heard of Piggly Wiggly? Amen, Piggly Wiggly. I heard somebody say, run time, most of those were in the south. And I remember that, that. He said, when you know that we've got grocery stores named Piggly Wiggly, that explains some things about our obesity, okay? So there you go. How about that? Anyway, I digress. But what this means to redeem here, it means... It, the opportune time, it's the fierce urgency of now is what he's saying. Is this an ur- There should be this urgency of right now. It is easy to spend a lot of time regretting, and that's where our time spent. It seems we can spend a lot of time dreaming about the future. And I'm not saying both of those don't play a role misredeeming right now Paul writes these words of course to the church in Ephesus while he's changed to the guards in a Roman jail and think about it when he's writing this now Ephesus was an important city in the Roman Empire no doubt about that but it was it was <laughs> It was brutal it was a city of heathenism it, it was bad and then the Emperor Nero he was one of the most perverted emperors that there were okay so you've got that going on and of course he's the one that eventually orders the beheading of Paul and, and eventually whether he started the fire or not that, you know it depends on who you're talking about whether who you talk to whether Nero burned Rome down or not but whatever happened the great fire he blamed it on Christians and so they started that persecution or began, what already was there. But, but why, why was he so concerned about it? Why was he bringing this upon the Christians? Because they were a threat, obviously, to a way of life. They were a threat to the norm. They were a threat to the ways of this world. Paul goes, these are desperate times. But what I love about Paul is, even in jail, he could have said, you know, I'll probably write a letter when I get out of jail. He redeemed the time. Most of what we've got in the New Testament, so much of it, we wouldn't have unless he redeemed that time in jail. Redeemed the time. One of the things about evil days, as I said earlier, It encourages us to give up. We live in the world today that the threat is not even physically sometimes. Oh, we'll persecute. We won't per- necessarily persecute you physically. We just want to cancel you. We'll shout you down and shout you into a corner. We, don't, we, just want, we want you to be silent We don't want a conversation. We just want you to be silent. And it is easy. And Jan and I have just recently talked about it. The boldness that can even come when it's supposed to. And I'm not talking about bluntness or just, hey, I'm going to try to figure out a way to, 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 to get enough viral hits or, or get enough tweetables or whatever. No, I'm just saying if we're not careful today, even in the pulpit, even in the pulpit, even in the pulpit, we won't be as bold as the God's word says because we're afraid, right? We're afraid, Sure, we just came out of Advent. Lord, come quickly, right? <laughs> sure. We're all for that. Because, Lord, you come when it's your time. Come. We, we do. There are times like we've talked about before. Yeah, a lot of us want us to come before the next car payment's due. Lord, just come quickly, right? I get to drive it for this amount of time, but, Lord, come quickly. But there's another side of that coin. That is, Lord, let me redeem the time. Let me understand the times. Let me understand why you have me here right now at this stage of history. Why am I here right now on January 8th, 2023, still breathing, still capable of thinking and speaking and doing? Why am I still here? Well, I think part of it is to redeem the time for his kingdom's sake. Because I believe this when the world around us seems to be going crazy, there is no question in my mind that inside of that, there's opportunity. And when the world gets darker, if that's how you feel about it, you may not. You may not agree with that. But if the world gets darker, this little bit of light shines brighter, right? Doesn't take much. We were here, if you were here Christmas Eve, doesn't take much for one candle. All of a sudden, when this whole room's dark, one candle, boom, it changes things. That's the reason why Christmas Eve had you turn around and look with all the lights out and those candles lit, just to see what if you had 200, 300 lights shining still dark still dark i'm wondering you know i've i've done this often with students and 2006 we we took a group of students to arkansas and we were doing a trip called Ethos, but one of the things we did one day that the, the term the, the word for that particular day in the kin, you gotta understand this trip, the kids students didn't know where they were going. They got on a they'd get on church vans at that time, fifteen passenger vans or twelve passengers, whatever they were, and we would take them on a trip the day they would leave to the day they got back, they didn't know where they were going. Even across the country. They didn't know. Day to day they didn't know where they were going. They'd get in the they would go to bed at night, didn't know what the next day held. We didn't give them a schedule. So we'd let the kids go to bed. The, day, the word for the day was epitaph. So at midnight, we woke them all up, got them in the vans, and we took them into a graveyard about five miles out in the country. Uh, they're in Arkansas, and there were people from Civil War to, to the Iraq, you know, to all that, and just let them walk around with a the flashlight. So they're a little freaked out initially. Yes. Yes, just a little bit initially. But just let them all have flashlights. And our challenge to them was to walk around and write down the epitaph. Not everybody has one on their grave. You, you know that on a head, headstone. But many do. Some of them are pretty funny, okay? Some of them are, uh, you know, it's, anyway, I won't get into the But some of them are interesting. But I had a student, that's been a few years ago, came up to me and he said, uh, He said, you know, he was a senior that year. I think he was 18 that year. He just graduated. He said, I still quote Acts 13, 36 regularly. He says as an epitaph, and it's this. David served God's purpose in his own generation. Then he died. Then he fell asleep. King David served God's purpose. Then he died. I read the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, 21 through 28. Whatever anyone do- dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are there Hebrews? So am I. Are there Israelites? So am I. Are there Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are there servants of Christ? Um, I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am <coughs> more, I am more, I have worked, oh, excuse me, reading that wrong, much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from my Gentiles. How do you like that? From Jews and Gentiles. Okay, I'm supposed to be reaching both, but I'm in danger from both of them. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the church. That's about the only one I can relate to is the last one. I have a concern for a church and the church. What if each day you got up like Paul, I would say, and knew he was unstoppable until God was done? I just read a list of things you you would go, man, I'm quitting. I'm not risking that anymore. But what if you knew your life fully, living in the center of God's will, as Paul says in Ephesians? What if you knew that if I'm on the mission, again, I'm not trying to pass a test somewhere that, well, God, did I do good, did I not do good? No, I'm on a mission. And if I knew that mission could not be thwarted, cannot, will not, until God's done with me, how would I act? How would I live? Here's the deal, right? We don't know when that ends. We just know we've got today to redeem the time. Are we waiting to someday for it to kick in? Waiting someday to, well, like if you're a teenager in here, you go, well, when I have a family and when I have people, then I'll jump in on that, God. I I appreciate that. You know, when I, 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 redeem the time. One of the things I think is always a, is a funny thing when I think about it, and of course, in the Church of the Nazarene, we we often are considered to middle of the road, if you will, not straddling the fence. That's not the right word, but we kind of we like we, we don't mind living in the tension of. But but I do want to say this. I do believe God does work outside of my theological parameters. I just don't think he's bound by those. I believe God does stuff he's never done before. God's done stuff he's never going to do again. God's going to do stuff when you least expect it. He's going to do it in ways you're going, you used that. You, You took that. And you used it. And really all he's asking us to do is what? Walk in his walk in footstep with him. You know, the reason I go back to the Brother Paul story, and the reason why I've taken so many people there, hundreds, literally, over the years, is because I want them to be around people that I know for a fact are walking that way. Now, that's just one small example of what they do all the time. The fearless. And over this next few weeks, as we work through this whole thought of unstoppable. One of the things we're going to give you an opportunity to do and walk and we believe, to walk in God's will. And again, it's not the only way. By no means I was walking in God's will, I believe, or trying to way, way before we ever tried to develop this. But it's called uncommon training. So don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> but I believe it's one way to help figure out more, more information how I can walk and step with what I know God's asking me to do. And 9.15 next, if you want more information on it, you don't know enough about it, 9.15 next Sunday morning in the fellowship hall. There's an info meeting for that. And it starts on the 22nd. And does that mean you'll have to give up early afternoons on Sunday for seven weeks? If your team's in the playoffs, first couple of weeks might be bad, okay? Record it, that's all I can tell you. But for some of you, it's going to be that Hinge moment. It's going to be for some of you, it's a season of life that's starting to change. You know, sometimes one of the hardest things to do, I remember Texarkana when I was leaving Texarkana or Jan and I were leaving there, we knew a year or so before, year and a half before, that God had released us. He would released us to leave Texarkana. But He wouldn't release us. <laughs> they knew the season was ending. And what I tried to do, and I realized I want to get as much out of this season as I can possibly get, but when the time changes, I need to move to the next season. As a church, I think there's some seasons in our country as far as Christianity are changing. I think there's some things ending. I think there's some ways that the world has looked at the church. This is not 1970 anymore, folks. Let me me tell you. It's not 1970. It's more like Paul's apostolic age than it is 1970. We're closer, to, we're closer to Paul. When Paul lived, than we are 1970 as far as the church and as far as reaching the world. You, you just don't have conversations with people and expect them to know really how to, you know, they all, you know, back in 1970, people almost knew how to get saved without you. You were just trying to bump them to Jesus, Right? ain't happening anymore you almost didn't need the power of the spirit to be all over your life because they already knew enough to get there but it also means of great opportunity to shine different and I don't mean shine for your sake shine for his sake You know, you may say, well, if our government was better, or if things were working better, if we'd voted the right people, you may, you may say all kinds of different stuff. You know, and I do believe it. Yeah, I, I, yes, I believe it's patriotic to vote. I vote every time I can. Uh, and so and that's not what I'm saying. I and mean, you, you'd vote and you'd do the best you can with it and with, with flawed people and, and flawed choices as we all do. But let me say this. The most patriotic thing you can do, in my opinion, is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors as yourself. Because again, folks, we're part of a holy nation. We're part of a greater nation. I'm all for being from the United States of America. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but I'm telling you right now, It doesn't matter who's in the White House or who gets elected Speaker or anything else, in the sense of what God has called us to do, and that is to love our neighbors as ourselves, love Him with all of our heart, get in line with His will, no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then we will know what His good, pleasing, and perfect will is. That's what He's called us to. I'm all for voting. All for living in this country. I'm all for doing good things. But I'll tell you what, we're going to be better citizens when we do that. We'll we'll love our city differently when we do that. Not because we've voted the right people in or wrong, but in your mind, you know what I'm saying. It's because we've become the right people. Make the most of, and Paul talks, Paul brings it up more times than once. Make the most of every opportunity. He goes, and I don't don't have the reference here, to let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Just feed him enough salt, and he very well may drink Redeem the time. Be wise. I've looked over scripture all these years. I wish I was. I was just talking to someone, talking to a guy who was getting some mini blinds cut the other day. I started talking to the guy, and his wife is being ordained as a Lutheran pastor, and she's just spent. Uh, a, uh, had, had spent six months in Cambridge studying. I thought, that would be awesome. What an awesome thing to be able to do to just go and just sit in that, te- and just sit underneath that in your process of being ordained as a pastor. But what I did learn, that in itself doesn't make you mature. Just having all the knowledge and more and more, but what I'll tell you, what I believe, and that's the reason why when Brother Paul Sr. Go back to him, not junior, but senior, when he got ordained about 30 years ago. He was about 60, 59, 60 years old. He didn't read real well, I don't think, because every time he preached, uh, he would have, every time I saw him preach, he'd have his wife with him, Sister Barbara, and he'd go, Mama, would you stand up and read that scripture for me? And she'd read the scripture, and everybody, then he'd preach. Year after year, he would go in there. To, to the credentials board like we do. Many of us here do. We stand up, sit in front of the credentials board and, and from the studies board. And year after year, he'd go in there and tell those guys, I'm not going to read all that stuff you've told me to do. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. I can't. I don't have time what I'm doing. And I had a good friend of mine who became, who became my senior pastor years ago. Told me, he said, they finally reached one, day, one year after our interview and they just said, You know what? He's never going to do what all the things we're asking him to do. But he is doing so much more than all of us in this room put together. Let's just ordain him. And they did. Now, I'm not saying that's the best way to do it. But what I will say is they knew. They're sitting in a room with that man. going. He's on a mission. He's headed somewhere. He's doing it every day. What are we doing sitting here trying to hold and put this on him and tie him down? Let him go. Just let him go and honor him. I don't know if we've ever been more distracted. I appreciate Brenda's message last week. Just you know, the, the intent and what we we, you know, you walk into a new year and there's all kinds of these. And, and, and Adrian mentioned it a while ago. We got all these good intentions. January 2024 will be in a big hurry. It's going to be here in a hurry. But what we decide to do over these next 12 months, we can either look back and go, okay, another year behind me, and go, wow, what a year. I'll be honest with you, 2022, from a lot of ways, 2020, 2021, 2022, been some strange years for me. And I've, I've shared this before, but I've, some of you have heard it. You, you'll just bear with me. But if I could look back on time, and people ask often, you know, what do you think hell is like? And honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, you can, you can kind of conjure up these pictures. The main thing I believe it is is separation from God. That's probably the biggest thing I would say. But one of the things I think would be hell for me, if you said, okay, Kurt, we're going to put a screen up here as big as this one, an IMAX screen or whatever else. And on one side of that screen, for the eternity, you're going to have to watch on the time you wasted. And over here, what could have happened. So for eternity, you're going to have to look at what you didn't redeem. And you're going to have to look at what if you had. That for me would be hell. So as we go into this new year, we're already in it. I just want to encourage you. God can put people, men and women in places that do not that do not have his heart and He still come to the end that he's trying to get to. He can put them in leadership and in a lot of different places and, and to the end of it, his will is going to be done. And so we back our way back into it. If we believe that, and I think we do, then that means the same thing for your life and for my life. If we would just get ourselves and make sure we're in step with him, Trying to do the best we understand it to do God's will. I mean, like I said, the whole email on New Year's Eve, I was trying to do the right thing. Sometimes we just miss it, right? But I'll tell you what, my heart was right. And I really ultimately what I think God's looking is a heart after him. You may miss it. You may go, oh, if I'd have waited or whatever you want to say. But I don't want to look back and go, man, how many hours this year, accumulative did I spend on the computer when it was unnecessary? How many hours this year did I spend in front of a TV when it just wasn't necessary? I think we'd all be staggered by how much. And I I realize there's times to go release and, and chill out, and you just don't want to think about things. I agree with all that. I'm not against that. But redeem the time. If they're evil or desperate, I like that better, even though they're pro- evil is probably correct. There's great opportunity to advance the kingdom. Won't you stand? I'm going to uh, pray for us. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're going to sing that last song again because I, I think that's the It's just a great reminder that we would remember that the God we serve has no rival. He has no equal. And I think when we begin to realize that over and over, we will go places we would never gone before. We'll do things we never would have done before because we are an unstoppable force when we get in the stream with him and walk that out with him. And we all have to assume if we die in the middle of all of it, you serve God's purpose in your generation. Then he took you home. Amen? Let me pray for us. Lord, we come before you today. Thanking you for January 8th, 2023. That this day, that this day, Lord, is a day Like many other days, but when you're involved in it, it could be unbelievably different. When we're looking for what you're asking us to to look for, and that is those that are hurting, those that are lonely. But Lord, even more than that today, Lord, you've given each one of us a unique mission inside of this greater mission. Lord, help us to understand that better and better. Lord, help us to understand that you've created us uniquely and wonderfully. No matter how we've got to this point right now, no matter how we ended up here, starting this day, it can all be different. But Lord, I'm praying for those now that maybe there's some some seasons ending and new seasons beginning. And sometimes it's hard to let go of a season. But Lord, inside we know, we we know as we pray, you're the prompting, the prompting that something new is coming. Something that has been is ending. But, Lord, let us take those things with us that you've shown us. Lord, I just pray that as we sing right now, as we've said often here, Lord, you have no rival. Lord, we come to the point realizing that God We serve has no rival. We begin to act different. We begin to live different. And Lord, we come today as people who don't use this power that you give us to manipulate, intimidate others, but to serve them and to advance the kingdom. Lord, help us redeem this time. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Sing with us, please.